Okay, I believe that we are live. Let me pull up my system here to see what's going on. Hi everyone, my name is Luke Thomas. This is my UFC 245 post-fight special. If you don't want spoilers, this is your chance to get out of here. If you want to get results, if you want spoilers, if you want analysis, well I suggest you stick around as uh, UFC 245 just ended. So with that out of the way, let's get this going, shall we? All right, welcome back. Here we are. Let's get this going. Uh, as I mentioned, if you don't want spoilers, your chance is now over. Do me a favor, please. I've got some goals to meet. I've got some things I'm trying to do with this channel, so please give it a thumbs up, the video itself, and then subscribe to the channel below. If you've been here a few times and you've not hit that subscribe button, now is your chance. If you're new here completely, um, I try to make it worth your while. And I believe during this presentation that I'm about to do right now for uh, for this post-fight show, I believe that I will demonstrate that, um, that I've done exactly that. So um, please, subscribe to the channel. Help me get as far as I can this month. Before the year ends. This is my last post-fight special of the year. There's a chance I might do one next week, but it is very, I won't say very unlikely, but it is basically unlikely. So please, 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 this is our last chance to get this one in, yeah? Let's get it in. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Okay. All right. Um, as I just mentioned, UFC 245 is in the books. Let's get to the results, shall we? I'm actually more interested in the co-main than I was the main, but um, we'll get to that in just a moment. All right. A lot to get to. A lot to get to. This took place at the T-Mobile Arena in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. This was headlined by a welterweight title fight between Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington. All right. So what was the prevailing narrative heading into the contest? If you, if, by the way, if you don't know what the results were, uh, Usman stops Covington in the fifth. Stoppage wasn't great. I'd have to go back and watch it a couple of times. Definitely Colby was in trouble. He'd been dropped twice and then was hanging on, you know, way outside, like one of those things, for dear life with his hands. So he was in trouble. Uh, at the same time, I don't know. It wasn't perfect. It, it wasn't the kind of stoppage you wanted to, like, be really confident about some of the choices that had been made. But it wasn't terrible. <clears throat> In any event, what can we say about this fight? All right, so uh, Usman is your uh, retaining welterweight champion of the UFC. The narrative heading into the contest was that, well, it was going to be who breaks first. So if you looked at their wrestling, as I, I, I've been over this a million times. If, you're, if, you, if you watch my videos, you're, you're not new to this. But it was that when Colby wrestles, he just wrestles. He doesn't do a lot of ground and pound. He doesn't wrist ride and then break your posture and then look to sink a choke. He might play with a choke a little bit, but didn't do a whole lot of it. What he does is he gets locked hands, and as you stand, he mat returns, he trips. He just stays in a you know in a dominant one step ahead of you kind of position. And uh, he does most of his striking on the feet, and he does it at volume. And I, I put up the uh, preview on uh, Friday, and I had noted that if you look at the uh, numbers there, the average strikes attempted per minute, the UFC average, is like seven and some change. Colby was 2x of that. He was double that. So the question was, is he going to be able to maintain that against Kumar Usman, who is not as much of a 
pure wrestler in the ground control sense. He likes to like break posture and then go for um, you know big punches. Ground and pound. He does much more work in ground and pound than Colby does, but he also does some work on the feet as well. And so you thought, like, what's going to give here? Well, it turned out, I need to see the numbers to be like very sure about this. It turns out that neither of the guys, I don't, I don't think there was one takedown attempted. I have to see how Fight Metric counts it, but there was no real hardcore takedown attempted. There might have been one that they count in the clinch, but in general, they just did not count the, the takedown. Uh, there was not any takedowns to, to, that, that really stood out. In any kind of a meaningful way, they, they slugged it out for four rounds and, well, four rounds and then, I mean, four minutes and ten seconds of the fifth. I mean, nearly 25 minutes these guys uh, gave it to each other. What could you say about it? I mean, these guys were pretty evenly matched on the feet, I thought. And I even tweeted, and I feel in this particular sense quite vindicated. I thought that they were, the scores were going to be all over the place. That's exactly what you got. They just announced on the broadcast right before I hit live on this button. One judge had a 3-1 Colby. One judge had a 3-1 Kamaru. One judge had it 2-2, heading into the fifth. Now, even if the fight had not been stopped, Kamaru was easily winning. So he would have won a split, right? He would have had um he would have had one of the judges on the 3-1 and the one on the 2-2 in all likelihood. So it, it wouldn't have changed the outcome per se, but you get the idea. Like it was all over the place. I'm going to have to go back and look at some of the tape to get a better sense of how they were doing it. But Colby and Kamaru had good jabs. I watched the footwork as Colby took southpaw position. He was taking outside lead when he wanted to land the straight. Kamaru doing the exact same thing. Kamaru getting the better of him in, in, in certain capacities with body work, particularly from like the third round on. Really good body work where anytime Colby got close, he was getting cracked to the ribs, with the, especially with the rear hand. Of Kamaru. Um, both guys landing hooks. Both guys rocking the other guy's head back. Not a ton of kickboxing per se. Mostly kind of like MMA boxing in the pocket. Both guys taking turns. Backing the other one up a little bit. But in the end it was a little bit more uh, Usman. Backing up Covington. The big X factor is that, I guess, I have to go back and look at the notes, but heading into, I believe, the fourth round, maybe the third, Covington indicated to his corner that he had a broken jaw. Now, we don't know if it's broken, but let's assume for the sake of uh, this discussion that that is true. If that is true, dude, that is a legendary amount of just (laughs) heart, man. To get out there and fight Kamar Usman for maybe one, two more rounds with a broken jaw. Can you imagine such a thing? Oh my God, that is a ridiculous level. Excuse me. It is late. <laughs> it is quite late. Can you imagine such a thing? Getting out there and fighting that guy with a broken jaw. And by the way, arguably, maybe, 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 depending on the, your perspective, winning that fourth round. Because he. W- what I noticed was... Um, Covington had moments where he would like land in a noticeable pop your head kind of back way, but I thought Usman had more volume. Again, I have to check the stats to see if that's actually what happened. That was just my sense of things. I am reacting in real time. That was what I thought was going to happen. Uh, or sorry, that's what I thought was happening as, as I was watching it. Um, uh, incredible, incredible performance. 
in, in terms of the the heart that it showed. But it, it was like if you were going to judge the rounds for Colby, you were judging them based off these not flurries exactly, but these big moments that stood out to you. If you were judging the rounds for Kamaru, you were judging it based on sort of overall body of work. And again, three one one three two two. So you you had literally every you know not every permutation, but you had the three possible understandable permutations. Jesus Christ! <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, available to you there. Um, but in the end, I, I was not. I scored the Volkanovski fight, which we'll get to in a minute. I did not score the main event. My hunch was that. I thought Colby definitely won the first. I thought maybe he won the second, but I think Kamaru really won the second. Um, and then from the third, I didn't really score it. I, but my my feeling was as I was watching was that Kumaru's power and reach was giving Colby a little bit of fits. Now the reach less so. The reach I thought. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know this, Kumaru had a four inch reach advantage. I thought early that was gonna. I thought early that was giving Colby a little bit of fits. Less so as time went on. I have to tell you, I thought their striking was pretty good in the end. Both guys able to strike and jab and turn at an angle. Um, both guys able to let a guy go past the shoulder and then pivot, right? Um, again, not a lot of kickboxing. Colby throwing a little bit of linear knees up the middle when when the time called for it, but not a whole lot of it. Still, though, I mean, these guys fought, you know, uh, 24 minutes and 10 seconds on the, for, or let's say 24 minutes on the feet and they made it competitive and they were able to stick it to the other guy a little bit. Yeah, I realize it's two, you know, um, high level wrestlers, but still showing the pivoting off of the jab, um, setting up feints and then throwing punches behind it, um, rocking the other guy using footwork. As I mentioned, taking that outside lead step, I thought they had shown a lot, but in the end, the, the difference it seemed to me as I was watching the contest was one, Kumaru had, I th- again, I have to check the stats, but it felt like a little bit more accurate volume, especially late. Maybe not early, but a little bit late. And then two, I thought his body work was a big difference. And then three, I thought the power was a big difference. Again, I thought the reach made a difference early, but kind of faded as a relevant factor as the fight went on. But I did think that the power was really important for him. It was when he connected, it had a way of moving or rocking Colby. And, he, and, and, and to be credit, to give him credit, he really stood in the pocket and traded and fought his heart out. I, I'm just saying, um, if two guys are relatively equal in skill, and you know, relatively speaking, one might get the better of the other one, but like you know, it's fairly close. And one person has more power. And I tweeted this, and everyone's like, oh, 2018 Colby after two. I'm like, even if you think it's 2018 Colby, it doesn't change the point that if one guy hits harder than the other and the first two rounds are close, as it goes on, that might make a difference. If it's true he broke his jaw, that is evidence of that. And if it's and 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 then as you saw in the fifth round, dropping him not once but twice, he was just able to he was able to affect change more readily and more noticeably than Colby. Colby had moments where he would rock him, stumble him, uh, not like super stumble, but like, you know, freeze him for a moment as he kind of had to take it. You know, he couldn't, uh, he he had to absorb the damage, let the pain shockwave roll over him, and then get back to fighting. He had moments like that. Like, he he definitely landed in the way that uh, mattered. But over time... Over time, I, I really believe that Kumaru had probably superior skill, 
and definitely superior power. You know, it's funny. They made a big show of the power in the co-main event, which really was not in any way a decisive factor. I do believe it was a decisive factor in that main event. I do believe that over time, the wear and tear of it was just too much. If you look at, you know, Komaru's face, it's it's fucked up. Like, his eyes are swollen. Um, he was bleeding a little bit. He looked like he had been in an absolute fist fight. Look at Colby's fight, uh, face. It looked terrible. It looked terrible, and it's going to look even worse tomorrow. And and then it's not that he wouldn't necessarily have a case for a uh, rematch, but not an obvious one right away, which gets to whole kinds of problems with the, with the uh, welterweight division. But but you're just asking who wore damage better, Kumaru wore damage better. And again, part of that can be genetic. Like certain people just, no matter what, wear damage better than the other one. But I really think that that told the story of things. Like if you get dropped twice in the fifth, and both of you kind of landed, you know, relatively at commensurate levels. But you get dropped in the fifth, and I look at your faces, and one looks, you know, bad, but not the end of the world. And again, Colby doesn't look like the end of the world, but like, like much worse. Um, you know, you can get a sense of things. You can get a sense of things. So to me, if, if, if it is true he had the broken jaw, uh, and the fact that he got dropped twice in the fifth, that kind of tells you, like, what kind of power Kamaru was working with. And the 76-inch reach relative to the 72-inch reach, again, early, um, made a big difference. Now, there's obviously a major question as it relates to the future of the welterweight division. Here is one of the things that I think a lot of folks have to uh, sort of reconcile a little bit. If you look at the top five, and I'll put the rankings right here. I have them in front of me. So, obviously, these have not been updated with tonight's results. But here are the rankings as it stands at the moment. Obviously, Kumar is your champion. Tyron is one. Colby is two, Jorge is three, Edwards is four, Dos Anjos is five. Kamaru has beaten and faced every, well, he's faced everyone but Jorge, and he's beaten everyone but Jorge. Okay? If Colby had won, you'd have Kamaru somewhere floating in there. Tyron, who he hadn't fought. Uh, Jorge, who he hadn't fought. Leon, who he hadn't fought. And then RDA, who he had fought and, and beaten. Point being is, Heading into this contest, Kamaru had fought and beaten everyone that in the top five, um, except Jorge, who he'd never faced. Colby had only fought RDA and hadn't fought anyone else, meaning there were way more um, fresh matchups, potentially, for Colby had he won. So there's going to be a big question here, because I know a lot of folks might say, oh, I, I have folks tweeting me saying, oh, this was the real BMF fight. I mean, to be clear, again, if Colby had a broken jaw, Holy shit, that is amazing to fight through. Kind of poetic that uh, Kumaru broke his jaw, given all the things that Colby had said, but nevertheless. Um, I had folks tweeting me that that was a real BMF fight. So now the, the, the general implication might be, oh, let's do Kumaru versus Jorge. I don't think Jorge wants any part of that. One, while he would get the title, I don't think it would be overly financially lucrative. Like this, this pay per view is probably not going to do all that well. It'll do okay, not great, um, but I don't think it'll do tremendously well. And so that, yeah, the title is appealing, but the fact that the that Kamaru is not an, a, a major star probably is a bit of a deterrent. And secondly, if you look at the stats on Jorge and what he has succumbed to in the past, I mean, again, I'll say this out loud: What is Jorge good at? everything he is good at boxing he is good at jiu-jitsu he is good at wrestling he is good at, at, at literally everything but the guys who can kind of spam him with takedown attempts 
have traditionally had a bit of a, a success against him, and that's exactly what Kamaru can do. Plus, it appears he has a good chin. Colby has a good chin too, but it appears that Kamaru has a good chin. That's if, if I'm if I if I'm advising Jorge, it's not exactly clear to me what the benefit of taking that fight is. Oh, you could become champion, right? But you could also just lose. You could lose the sheen of what it means to have the BMF title. Um, you can get dominated along the way, uh, take years off your life at potentially at 34. Or you could just wait for Connor. I tend to think he'll probably just wait for Connor at this point. If Colby had won, you might have gotten uh, a potentially more exciting fight. So, just want to point that out. I'm not blaming Kamaru, certainly. I want to be clear about that. I'm just sort of saying it would have been, in terms of fresh matchups, a little bit more interesting um, had Colby emerged victorious. Now, let's talk about Kamaru Usman here for a second our reigning champion at this point. My thought was, and I said this on my radio show many times over the course of the last week, my thought was, if he wins, what is the media narrative going to be about him? And it was fairly obvious, right? It was going to be, here is a guy who showed in the face of antagonism about his father being incarcerated, about who really is American. I mean, the audience was fucking chanting USA Tonight to two American citizens. I mean... Just the saddest shit on earth, to be honest with you. That, that, that you had, okay, whatever. But the point being is, what I thought they might say, and I think they will say, is what Kamaru showed is things that probably would Woodley wouldn't show. Now, Woodley may or may not be able to beat Colby. I guess we'll have to find out on some level uh, if they ever match him up. And by the way, maybe that's the fight they make here. Woodley hasn't fought since the Kamaru loss. Colby, he'll need some time to recover, but who knows when Woodley wants to come back. Maybe they make the Leon Edwards fight. It's really hard to say. Um, but your dreams of Colby versus Jorge have kind of evaporated. As far as Kumaru is concerned, they'll say, here was a guy who was a model of poise, a model of civility. Yes, he fired back when he had to. Yes, he reacted when it was appropriate, especially as related to this last fight week. But he didn't lash out on social media. He didn't go after him uh, angrily all the time. Yes, there was that buffet incident, which was not great. But like since then, like in the lead up to this fight, if there was any kind of criticism about this fight, especially relative to 244, is that there wasn't a ton of heat about this. Kamaru seemed to just sort of say, I'm going to do things. Uh, I'm going to be things. But when he had a chance to face off against Colby at media day and then the weigh-ins, he didn't really, you know, he didn't spit in his face. He didn't push him. He didn't go crazy. He didn't say, I'm going to kill you. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. He just kind of stayed cool. He didn't react on social media. He just kind of stayed cool. And I think the reaction in the media will be that that's the model to handle this kind of thing, which I would agree is correct. I would agree that the way to handle Colby is, yes, you got to beat him, which is no easy task. But the, but the way to handle your career is, um, in the particular moment, is to not freak out, is to not go on these legendary tirades, is to not lose your mind on social media. It's to keep calm, in the words of Jim Zorn, staying positive, acting medium, and, and, and uh, concentrate on the task at hand. And if you do that, uh, you know, the concept is proven here a little bit. Um, I think if Woodley had fought Colby... And again, I'm, I'm speculating here. I don't know this to be true. Maybe Woodley beats him. Maybe he doesn't. Again, we can have a debate about that. But I think Woodley would have been much more antagonistic. Woodley would have been much more in his face, much more uh, 
mm, uh, give and take on social media, that sort of a thing, right? And you didn't, you just didn't get that. You just didn't get that with Kamaru. He just stayed real dialed in on the task at hand. He stayed real dialed in on what the job was and uh, obviously executed the task they're in. So now there is the question of what happens to Colby Covington. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> well, um, I'll say this. My initial thought was, had he... My, okay, heading into the fight, I thought if he loses... And when he, or you know, if he loses, the knives are going to come out. Everybody who is anybody is going to pull the sword out, and they are going to drive that fucker right between the ribs silently, you know, style, and then drop you there. They were going to drop the, they were going to drop the hammer on this guy. And you still might see some of that. To be honest with you, you still might see some of that. But I think the fact that if that, that he it was that competitive. And the fact that he broke his jaw, again, I know it's very poetic because everyone's like, oh my God, get it? You know, the guy who talked all this much, get it? That you know, guy's jaw broken? Yes, I get it. Um, I do think some of the knives are still going to come out. But here is the thing he really has to struggle with. This was the thing, and I mentioned this in the lead up to the fight. This is the thing the MMA media just didn't seem to understand. Colby understands media better than the MMA media does. If you say nasty things about Colby, that's good for him. If you say... Good things about Colby. That's also good for him. Um, and if you put a microphone in his face as a way to tell his story, both in a way to either show its good parts or its bad parts, you are also then amplifying his message. All right. So the question is how you deal with that. I don't have all the answers to be very clear about this. This is a real challenge about how the news is collected and gathered and, and reproduced to you. But one way is to simply not pay attention to it, which you cannot do. If somebody's in a UFC welterweight title fight, what you might be able to do, though, is when they lose, it's not that Colby is irrelevant. As I mentioned, there's still many fresh matchups for him. But we'll see what direction he goes. We'll see what he does. And the MMA media is not under obligation to cover him in the same way. And I wonder if after this episode is if he lashes out on social media, which he does less of these days. But if he does that kind of thing, how they might treat it. And if the UFC match makes him... Like, hey, we'll put you on UFC, you know, bumfuck Egypt town. You can main event there against Leon Edwards or whatever they end up doing. There's a way to just minimize the profile there that undercuts his ability to have an effect on the larger press and then the larger, uh, not merely media landscape, but the sport. But the sport. This was real bad for him. It was real bad for him. It was good for him that it showed what quality of fighter he is. I mean, there were people being like, hey, does Colby have a good chance of winning? And their answer would be, oh, he likes Trump, as if this is some kind of fucking answer to the question, right? Like, how good of a fighter is he means, let's talk about his game, let's talk about what he's good at, let's talk about what he can do. I think he showed his striking is way more formidable in the last fight and this one than folks had realized. Two, he's got incredible heart. Um... And three, you know, I don't think this is necessarily the end of his title opportunities. Um, but he's not the best welterweight on the planet. And um, the guy who is, you know, gave him hell. Both guys gave each other hell. But he, he's not that guy. And anyway, anyway uh, how they match him up, how the UFC matches him up, where he fights, in what placement will have a huge effect on 
on how he is treated going forward. And if there is a not a fatigue in the sense of like, oh my God, I'm so sick of Colby, but a fatigue in the sense of, oh yeah, there's Colby doing Colby things. Anyway, uh, blah, 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 blah. If you notice how there's like a fatigue about Tito Ortiz, even then he's still making headlines. So I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting you Colby goes away tomorrow. And we also are dealing with the media. It's like, hey, Colby said he could beat John Jones. This is fucking news. You know, you're going to get a lot more of this. But there's a certain fatigue of Tito that is very much like dismissive. This was one step for Colby in that particular direction. Um, by no means we're done. By no means is he done. By no means is, you know... It's very foolish to think a bubble pops when someone loses a high-profile fight, especially when they lose showing guts and heart and determination. Uh, but it was bad for him because people have been waiting to take a knife and just drive it into his ribs. And you're going you're gonna to see some of that. For sure you're going to see some of that. So I don't really know what's next in the division. Maybe Tyron fights Edwards. Maybe UFC looks at this and says we should have made that Tyron versus Covington fight all along, in which case I would agree with them. I don't know who Kamaru fights, because if I'm Jorge, why on earth would you take that fight? It doesn't do a lot of good for you. Oh, you can be the UFC champion, right, but your chances of winning are difficult. Uh, you're not going to make as much money as you could if you just wait on Connor. If I'm him, I'm agitating for a fight with Connor. I'm absolutely, unequivocally agitating for a fight with Connor, because I think Kamaru beats him too, man. Kamaru is a, is a, Kamaru's a motherfucker, man. <laughs> He's very tough to beat. Very tough to beat. And uh, if Colby couldn't do it and Tyron couldn't do it, uh, as talented as Jorge is, and, 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 and Jorge is much more well-rounded, I don't know that he's the guy for the job. And I don't know that's in his interest to even try, to be perfectly honest with you. We'll come back to this. If you have a question, uh, like the video, subscribe, uh, leave a... Leave a, uh, what you call it, leave a, uh, well, you know, small donation, and I will get to it at the end of the uh, production here. Okay, let's move to the co-main event, because this is the one, and I'll come back to it, I'll circle back, but let's go to that co-main event. Ha, uh, buddy. Okay, let's talk about this, shall we? I, uh, I, well, it was interesting. Okay, so here is my hunch heading into the co-main. My hunch was that Max was going to get it done by hook or by crook. But I thought he had his hands full, man. On Morning Combat last Monday, we did a bit of a segment asking who was the livest dog in terms of the title challengers. Because you, if you looked at the odds heading into UFC 245, between, or I should say, among Durandami, Volkanovsky, and Colby, um, they were all three underdogs. Colby and Volkanovsky, pretty close. Durandami was the biggest of the uh, long shots, which we'll talk about her in just a second as well. But in terms of, I, I said, man, Volkanovsky has to be that. And here's how I knew he was that. I remember when Adesanya, if you watch this channel at all, this is not a new story. But let me just repeat it one more time for the folks who are new because we got a big audience here right now. I remember after Adesanya beat Silva, the the... The message coming out was, uh, you know, Adesanya could have done more. He could have been a little bit more forceful. You know, he was a little bit overrated. You had Chris Weidman tweeting exactly that. Uh, the guy's overrated. 
And I thought to myself, what? I could usually watch just about any UFC fighters about one or two times through and get at least, at a bare minimum, a general sense of what is happening. I watched that Silva versus Adesanya fight seven, eight, nine times, and I had a hard time picking up on what was happening. In fact, I'm certain I have still missed things. I had to go through and take notes on what weapons Adesanya was throwing from this stance while circling in this direction, while setting it up with this feint, while heading to that movement, and then I had to kind of piece it all together and figure out exactly what was happening. And again, I'm sure I missed things. But I, at least at that point, after multiple iterations of reviewing, I was like, okay, I think I, got a, I think I got a sense of what happened here. And then when people were like, there's nothing special about it, I'm like, you're fucking wrong. Because I, I, I had to do things to figure out what he was doing that I never have to do. Ever. I remember when Volkanovsky beat Aldo, it wasn't skepticism in the same sense that was heaped upon Adesanya because he was rising and he was popular and he was interesting and he was brash and that was a hell of a fight. But I remember afterwards, there was hardly any talk. There was hardly any talk about what Volkanovsky had done. And, I, and I, if you looked at my tweets this week, I was like, this was on the bucket list because I remember watching that fight being like, ooh, that's going to be one of those ones I have to take notes on. That's going to be one of those ones where I'm like, okay, what the fuck are they doing here? What is the, why is he fainting this direction and then moving that one, but then circling? Like, why is he doing that? I was going to have to take notes on the whole thing. And I did. I finally went through and did. And he attacked the slips of Aldo. He was L-stepping to the right. He was he was shoving into at a different angle on the power to stuff uh, up to his left side. Um, he was using his hand feints a la James Tony. To set, well, James Tony didn't kick, but he was using hand fans. James Tony was famous for his hand fans um, to, 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 to throw the kicks, using the kicks to close distance, set up stance switches, set up follow-up punches, set up uh, blitzes, I mean, everything. Like, And I went through all of it. I put it on my Instagram page. I put it on my YouTube page. And it was the same kind of scenario where I looked at it. I was like, dude, what he's doing here is not what other people do. It is not what other good strikers do in MMA. I, I'm just telling you, like, I watch a gazillion hours of tape. They don't do this shit. They don't do what Adesanya did against Silva, and they definitely don't do what Volkanovski did against Aldo. And so I, I put together that video because I was like, nah, this dude's very good. And in the end, Aldo had some, or rather I should say, uh, Holloway had his moments. I thought he was going to be able to adjust a little bit later, and he did make some. I thought he had some early success when he switched to southpaw. I thought he had some success late when he was better about crowding uh, Volkanovski. If you note and go back to my um, video, I had put in the video, number one, the first point was Aldo had a bad game plan because Aldo was doing this and then waiting for Volkanovski. Not, not totally. There were times he was trying to corner Volkanovski, but... He spent a lot of time just waiting for Volkanovski to come at him. And I was like, man, you give a guy like that room to do this and this and then this and the whole bit, it's just way too much. You have to get in that dude's face. And that's very easier said than done, but that's the task. And so I thought Holloway had some success with that a little bit later. But in general, you got what you got. Dude, you can look, go back and look at that video that I made, or, or not, fuck that video, you don't care about it. Go back and watch the Aldo fight. You will see many of the same tricks. 
They did a few things different here, which were stance switch blitzing. They did a little bit of that more this time than they had done the last time. Actually, I don't think they were called doing any of that last time. Or not any, but very little. They did a lot about pushing Max back, pushing Max back, uh, disrupting his rhythm. But those kicks where he like da-da-da-da-da-da-da and then fires one where you're not even looking, that is textbook Volkanovsky. Inside, outside, front leg, rear leg, the whole bit. Then... Uh, another thing he tried, I think, in the first and certainly the fourth and the fifth, where he gets you know either one underhook or two underhooks, and then he drives you against the fence and tries to hold you there. They were like, oh, he's not taking Max down. Dude, he's not trying. He's not trying. He's looking at the round being like, I've won it. Let me just press this fucker into the fence. And it worked. And it worked. Dude, this was, again, you're going to be like, oh, Luke, you said Max was going to win. Yeah, you're right. In the end, I, you know. I've done six different tape studies on Max. I have a high degree of respect for Max. I still have a high degree of respect for Max. But if there was anything you could take away from the last week was I looked at what Volkanovski was doing and I was like, dude, I don't... Brian Ortega is an amazing fighter. Frankie Edgar is an amazing fighter. Jose Aldo is an... I mean, do I need to say more about Jose Aldo? Um, Ricardo Lamas, Jeremy Stevens, all those guys. They're all amazing fighters. Dude, they're not strikers. Like Volkanovsky, they're not. They don't do the same things. They don't move the same way. They don't set things up the same way. They don't have the same weapons. They're not the same. Edgar does a lot of the same fakes and feints and side-to-side movement and in and out, but really what what makes his striking work is when he can bring the wrestling to life. He has to really get that going, and if he can't get that going, it just, just doesn't work the same. Um, Volkanovsky doesn't need any of it. He can never take you down. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. And, dude, it needs to be said, so let's say it out loud. Okay? Ready? Listen to me now. Listen to me clearly. Listen to me good. Those boys at City Kickboxing, they're a problem. They're a problem for everybody, man. <laughs> I've been trying. T- I'm telling you, man, like that moment when I, 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 I please go back, do yourself a favor, and go back and watch what Adesanya does against Silva. Because to me, that is that is representative of, yes, what greatness Adesanya has, but what those boys are capable of down there in New Zealand. Holy fucking shit. Dude, they're not the best wrestlers, but of course, if they need to wrestle, they can. And, and they might do quite well at it. They're not the best grapplers. If they need to flex their jiu-jitsu, they probably can, uh, and, and maybe quite well. Listen to me very carefully. The guys out of City Kickboxing, their striking is ahead of the game. Say it out loud for everybody. I'm going to say it one more time for everyone in the back. Their striking is ahead of the game. They are clued in on certain details that they know to do that everybody else doesn't. Now, here's the reality. That probably won't last forever. It may not last for long depending on how things go. But right now, it's an advantage. It's an advantage that they're using to dramatic effect. Dude, this is a little, tiny island nation, and they've got two UFC champions at the same time. Time to wake up, everybody. Time to wake up. What is the city boxing, basically, the the insight? Many things. But the core of it is... Um, he who faints more than the person who faints less should win. He who, let's say they faint the same amount, 
he who faints better than the one who faints, uh, you know, not as skilled, because fainting is a skill. There's foot faints, hand faints, shoulder faints, head faints, all, I mean, all kinds of stuff. He who does it better than the other one wins. Dude, they are big believers in the faint. Um, and some use it more in that whole gym. Some use it less. Some use certain faints that are just unique to them. Some you can see that they all kind of share a little bit. Um, whatever the case, dude, they are ahead of the game. They are ahead of the game. They are better than their peers. There are not people doing what they're doing, certainly not at the same level that they are doing it, and they're going to keep winning. And you can say what you want about Kai Kara France. He lost that fight to Brandon Moreno. Great. Was it not competitive heading into the third? Dude, we're talking about a very small island nation. And you could say, oh, well, they're good at rugby. Right. Well, that's because it's a cultural game deeply rooted into their identity, pulling from their uh, their white population as well as their, you know, their Maori population. And they, and, they, and they live and they breathe and their best practice. I mean, it's everything. Dude, we're talking about one gym that is fucking everyone up, man. One gym. It is because they are ahead of the game. Dude, those boys at City Kickboxing, they are a problem. They are a problem. Anybody who is fighting them, you must have some kind of answer for the feint, for all the different feints that they do. And by the way, they incorporate feints into distance closing, timing and rhythm disruptions, breaking their own timing to reset their own timing in a different pace. They, I mean, it's, a, it's another level of what everyone else is doing. And if you don't pay attention, sorry, I have my dinner here. If you don't pay attention to that, you're going to get smoked. You're going to, or just lose your title. And that's what happened today. Now, I'm sure that Max and his team game planned quite, quite well. Um, Max is his own kind of problem. He can fight uh, in, in, in an ambidextrous way. He can fight southball. He can fight orthodox. He can circle this way. He can circle that way. And they were saying, oh, you know, he's so much better in his orthodox position it is his more natural position dude folks don't realize this he fought aldo in one stance the first time and then beat him in a different one the second and then circled different ways too for big portions of the fight uh dude he is so nasty with it doing whatever he needs to but that's not the equivalent of having a whole striking game that is layered in not one layer multiple layers of camouflage. And the reason why folks said Adesanya, he didn't look that effective, he wasn't that good against Silva, is that one of the challenges to having that style is if the if the person you're fighting is truly overmatched, then what you'll see is that there'll, there'll be a knockout, you know, they'll win, or if there's a real style advantage, they'll win, we you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but a lot of times what it does is it's really good for winning rounds, it may not necessarily be that all that great for finishing, but in terms of that effectiveness, dude, there there isn't a listen to me quite clearly. There is not another gym on earth that does what they do at the level at which they do it. It is time to put some respect on New Zealand, y'all. It is time. It is time. You should have done it long before this. Many of you did. Uh, for the rest of y'all that have been skeptics, the holdout is over. It's time. Those guys are are motherfuckers, man. <laughs> and they are smart, 
And Eugene Behrman over there, who's like the mastermind, is a genius. He, or if he's not a genius, he is pretty goddamn close. He is clued in on things. They know they're not, as I mentioned, they know they're not the best wrestlers. They know that they're not the best grapplers. Uh, but they are, in terms of their striking and the camouflage layers they add to it, they are so far ahead of everybody else. Um, in terms of Volk's, uh, Volkanovski's next fight, that's a weird one, right? Now, this also complicates things from, for uh, Edgar. Edgar told me, he's like, oh, I'm not looking for a title shot if I beat Korean Zombie. I'm guessing if Korean Zombie wins, he gets a title shot. Don't much like his chances, but um, but he probably would be in a position, I would think, right? Because you beat Dennis Bermudez, you lost to Yair, although it was, you know he was winning up until he wasn't, I suppose. Uh, but then you beat Moicano. Then you beat Edgar. Mm, you're kind of there. Um, I guess we'll see. For Holloway, it's back to the drawing board a little bit. Um, let me look at the rankings here. Let's see who's up in that spot there at uh, 145 pounds. So Volkanovski is, again, these are not the updated rankings, was one. Ortega is two. Aldo, three. But Aldo just went down to bantamweight. Zabit's kind of sitting out there. Maybe they could do Holloway Zabit. Um... Yair needs a fight, so that's an interesting one. There's, there's some good fights. There's definitely a bunch of great fights down there at uh, 145. And actually, you know what? Maybe Yair's more entitled to a title shot at this point, although the way he was fading against Stevens was kind of interesting. But um, in any event, th- there'll, there'll be some unique matchups for him that are certainly possible. Uh, and he and the good news is I didn't think he took a ton of damage in this fight. No, he took a ton of damage to his legs. But in terms of his brain and like his his organs and his and his ribs, I didn't I didn't think he took a ton of ton of damage. Um, so he'll be back. But dude, Volkanovski's win is not an accident, and it, the city kickboxing is amazing. Those guys are amazing, and I hope you're a convert at this point. All right, so let me go to our uh, third title fight. Duran to me defeats. Or excuse me, what am I saying? Amanda Nunes defeats Durandamy, 49-44, 49-46, 49-45. So you kind of, first fight, what happens? Amanda Nunes catches a kick, takes her down, moves to mount, elbows her, Herb Dean stops it. It was actually somewhat controversial because she had a good guard up and most of those elbows were not getting through, but whatever. What happened this time? To me, from round one, Amanda Nunes just bludgeons her, uh, gets her down, is like literally hurting her from neon belly. I mean, you almost never see such a thing. I mean, there's ways to get out of neon belly, right? I mean, yes, you have to put your hands or your elbows on them, depending on what kind of neon belly they're doing. Are they going like a like a seatbelt that way or across your 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 waist? But in any case, there's a lot of ways to get it off of you. Uh, and she was just kind of letting it rock to, and, and to cover it up. Um, but by the third round, it just kind of became. Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz, where the takedowns were coming from the moment the bell started for each round. They were coming sooner and sooner and sooner and sooner and sooner. By the fifth round, bell starts. She comes out, bop, bop, right into a takedown. And what would happen was she would go for the hips. That would work initially. Then Durand me got hip to it, would use a frame, get the frame on, you know, the neck. And so... When the frame goes, that means you're going to stiffen your stance a little bit, right? Because you want to plant to drive, right? And so then what Nunes would do is then just wrap behind for the takedown off a trip. And it worked quite beautifully. She kept getting hit with the up kicks. 
But in general, she did what she needed to do to hold on to her title. She did what she needed to do to maintain that GOAT status. Still, I thought was a very commendable performance on her part. Um, she did what she needed to do to win. She, you know, she had to win. She had to win. That was These are not situations where you can like, yeah, I got two belts. Fuck it. You can have one. You know, she had to fight, I would argue, a degree, uh, to a degree, conservatively. But, the, you know, one of the lessons about heading into this is always ask yourself, who has more ways to win? Right? That That is not the rule that says, oh, well, if X always has more ways to win than Y, X will always win. Not true. But as a general rule of thumb, yeah. So you knew on the feet. Maybe you might think it's competitive, but that Durandamine might win. But, you know, you never know. Amanda just hits hard or whatever. It's MMA. It's not kickboxing. In the end, it was not all that competitive on the feet. But it didn't matter because if you can just change the phase of fighting, and she did, by switching from the hips to the trip and then, you know, not super advanced with the guard passing, but I guess she was tired. Um, she just found a way to win. Uh, simple as that. I don't know who the fuck they're going to put up against her at this point. You know, uh, I guess maybe somebody at 145 or, um, you know, I guess Ketlin Vieira was supposed to win, but then she loses. So now I guess it's going to be Aldana. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who they're going to give her at this point. She's in a bit of trouble. It was interesting that Clarissa Shields was there, but like on the feet, I don't like Nunes' chances against Shields at all. And then on the ground, whatever Nunez did to Duran to me, it'd be even worse <laughs> for Shields. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that one. That's a weird one. That's a weird one, to be perfectly honest. But uh, Amanda Nunez, incredibly talented, diverse skill set, not super exciting, but doing what she needs to do. I think a little bit surprised that Duran to me held on in the way that she did. And then lastly, the thing I'd say about Amanda Nunes is just the um, just the class she showed in shouting out Will uh, Will uh, Harris, who obviously has suffered what can only be described as an unspeakable horror as a parent. And uh, you want to see something that my daughter did? Like, I mean, I don't even want to. I, I did. I didn't know what it. You know, no one knows what it means to be a parent, but. Um, let me explain something. I never knew I wanted to have kids. In fact, I was pretty sure that I didn't. I was talking to my dad about this maybe 15 years ago. I must have been 25 at the time. And my dad said to me, he was like, do you want to have kids? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then uh, he was like, well, you know, let's see how you feel in whatever he said, five, 10 years, whatever the number was. And I was like, yeah, but if I've made an, you know, if I've made a rational choice to not have one now, what would change about that? And his answer was, uh, this is exactly what he said. He goes, your biology changes. And I didn't know what that meant because you can't, you, you, you can't rationalize that. You have to, you have to, you know, feel your way through something like that. Here's what I'm trying to say. Now that I become a parent, like, uh, it, it it speaks it speaks to like the deepest level of your DNA, in terms of your affection and your and your, you know your, all all of the various things that evolutionary biology has helped us produce like, you know, um, being wary of predators and 
providing food and sustenance and shelter and, you know, leading by example, all this kind of stuff. And then just sort of small things, like my daughter did this the other day. I had, uh, I had to, I don't know if y'all can see it or not, right? That's her right there. Watch this. Well, hold on. Here, watch this. Dude, I have played that on repeat for about a day and a half in my brain. Every time I have a moment, I'll, I'll play that between red lights, or I should say at red lights. I'll, I'll just sit there and play that. And then you think about a situation like Walt Harris which I know it was not uh, necessarily his biological daughter in that particular case, but I don't, I'm not saying that's an incidental difference, but I don't see that as a s overly substantive one either. And then to have to lose her in, in the most monstrous of ways. And, you know, yes, I was at UFC DC and everyone was saying nice things about uh, Walt, but then for her to take the time to go and say something in her post-fight, you know, message right there after just, you know, Proving her goat status, dude. She is the the epitome of class. She's the epitome of class. Um, I take my hat off to her, man. She's an incredible champion. I don't mind champions uh, or any fighter really getting out there and causing controversy to make money, but it's nice to have some ones that ha show a degree of genuine humanity as well. All right, subscribe to the channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, like the video as well. Yes. All right. Uh, Marlon Moraes defeats Jose Aldo. Boy, y'all were bitter about this one. 29-28 Moraes. 29-28 Aldo. 29-28 Moraes. Okay. Let me say something about this. How did I score it? I think I probably thought I had Aldo having it, but I didn't. Moraes kind of, oh, hang on. Moraes kind of stuck it to him. In the third round, a little bit more. You, you saw Marais kind of tick up a little bit. Aldo tick down a little bit. And that might have made the difference. Here, understand what I'm saying to you. If you scored that fight for Aldo, no problem. No problem. I have zero issue with you scoring that fight for Aldo. That is a perfectly rational, defensible thing. Here is what you have to understand about the 10-point must system. It is absolutely possible, nay, common... That you and I, and you can say, uh, let's say, or, or you pick you and somebody else you think has a great ability to judge fights, to, to, to assess what they're looking at. You can look at a fight and individual rounds, and you can come to utterly different conclusions about who won it. And you can both be, it, not necessarily right, but within the scope of what is defensible. The question is not who is right. The question is not what you want it to happen. The question is, what is defensible? Is a Marlon Moraes scorecard having him winning rounds one and three? You couldn't have him winning round two. That would not be defensible to me. But winning rounds one and three, is that defensible? Yes, of course it is. Of course it is. Why? Understand that there's not a huge differential in tally, right? Numerically, there's not a big difference. Um... The momentum swing into the third was carrying Aldo, and he had a you know a lot to prove, and I thought certainly exceeded expectations. 
but uh, there wasn't, as I mentioned, there wasn't a huge difference in, in tally. There wasn't necessarily a huge difference in um, power. So what you're ending up with is a limited amount of information that people have to make a judgment call on. How do they make that judgment call? Recognize they don't have anyone on Twitter to influence them. Recognize that most of these people don't give a shit who wins. Recognize that um, they have no statistics. Recognize they might be stupid. Recognize that they sit at different portions of the cage. They don't sit next to each other. So their ability to witness, uh, sometimes they look at the monitor, sometimes they don't. Their ability to witness what is happening can be influenced by how much they see someone's back and how much they don't. And you could say, oh, that shouldn't be the case. Dude, I'm telling you that's the case. If you've never sat cage side versus watching at home, there is often a difference. And it's hard to explain. Like, how could it be? I don't know, man. But there is. There absolutely is. So you have this spatial relationship that is different. And then another consideration is there might be things that individual judges weigh that really matter to them more than other pieces of offense, and that might have a sway over to what degree they assign value to individual things that land, given that no one got dropped, given that the tally in terms of the numerical difference was not high, and given that the difference in power strikes landed. Oh, well, so-and-so landed more than the other one. There wasn't a huge difference. It was still all fairly close. When you recognize that there's not a lot in, uh, in terms of qualitative or quantitative difference, there's a subjectivity in interpretation. There's a subjectivity in how you receive the fight from a physical standpoint uh, and any number of innumerable other factors that can influence how a decision is weighed. Of course it is rational to come to a Marlon Marais 1-3 scorecard. It is also fine. No issue to come to a one and three scorecard for Jose Aldo. What you can't say, what you just can't, I'm sorry, you can't. You can get mad about it. You can downvote. You can do whatever you want. You cannot say there's no basis upon which to give Marlon Marais a third round. Yes, there is. There is. And that's all you need. This is the problem with the 10-point must system. How can two people be rightful owners of the same round? And that's where we are. Not only the same round, you can get two different owners of the same fight. Dude, that is what the 10-point must system allows. It's awful. It's nonsensical. It's not fair. Surely there's a better way. Wouldn't argue with you, but that's the world we live in, folks. That's the world we live in. Um... So, I thought Marais had a good game plan early. His speed differential early was noteworthy. Aldo, totally exceeding expectation in the way that he did. Uh, unbelievable. Um, I didn't think he was going to make weight. He did. Uh, crowding. I mean, if there was one lesson from the Marais versus Cejudo fight, it was that crowding Marais was really essential. He did. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. It's just, it was a little bit too little too late. And folks are like, why do you get away from the leg kick? In part because, you know, yes, he's gotten away from it more recently, but in part because um, people move much more on him now. You know, Holloway a little bit less so, but, you know, and Stevens, the fight didn't last long enough to tell. 
but you know, a case like Volkanovski or this, like these guys are, what? it's just hard. And, and again, another key to Volkanovski was to keep the guy turning, you know. Uh, all right, and then Peter Yan taking on Uriah Faber. Man, 43 seconds of round three, head kick KO. Um, I thought Faber looked pretty decent early, good speed. good Again, good linear attacks with knees up the middle, good explosion. But, dude, Peter Yan, you know, I, you, you can see why Uriah Faber came out and was calling out Cejudo, right? Like, because, dude, 135 is filled with these guys. Now, Peter Yan is special, but I just mean at the top, it's a bunch of dudes that only hardcore fans know that are absolute buzzsaws. Dude, Peter Yan can switch stances nimbly. He can corral. He is a very much a in-your-face kind of pressure fighter. He um, he has good awareness, good distance management. He gets caught a little bit early and is willing to take a little bit more risks late. But in general, he's got great shot selection, great understanding, unyielding gas tank. He's next-level MMA. He's next level MMA. You know, Uriah Faber had this thing where he's like, oh, what do I lose? What do I lose by coming back? What do I lose by, you know, oh, I, you know, the only thing I lose is that I said I came back. Nah, nah, dude, you're fighting really, 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 really tough guys, and they're going to put a hurting on you. And then you saw how messed up his eye was and all the kind of things they can do. You know, not true that the only thing you have to lose is merely um, – the promise that you were done. What you have to lose is, you know, quality of life, fights, money. Uh, there's a lot of things that are not necessarily up for grabs. And this is what I mean by like, oh, he should get a title shot. Dude, why the fuck should Uriah Faber have gotten a title shot with Cejudo? Why? Look at the guys who are in front of him, man. It's not a knock on Uriah, like, legend of the sport. But it's not fair to all the dudes ahead of him who are like Peter Yan, who are absolute hammers who are absolute hammers it's just not fair uh very quickly down the line jeff neal defeating mike perry dude someone get that guy a top level fight because he is a revelation saif saud out of fortis mma one of the best coaches i've ever seen what a what a couple of years those guys have had uh as i mentioned aldana defeating ketlin Vieira. Uh, amazing. Uh, Akhmedov defeating Ian Heinish, 29-28 across the board. Matt Brown defeating Ben Saunders. Kind of, I didn't quite understand why he was going into his guard over and over again, but it must have been a bit demoralizing for Saunders and eventually finishing him off with just vicious uh, ground and pound. Good job by him. Uh, Chase Hooper defeating Daniel Tamer. I'd like to see Hooper get the slow treatment at 20 years old. There's still some issues. He seems very green. Obviously got a lot of ability, don't get me wrong, but let's slow roll him if we can. As I mentioned, Brandon Moreno and Kai Cara France, 29-28, 30-27, 29-28. I don't know if I agree with 30-27, but um, Brandon Moreno just just w not biting on the feints and then countering with big punches, limiting Cara France's movement. That's a big key. Did great. Uh, Jessica I she missed weight horribly, but beating Viviane Arujao, 29-28 across the board. I thought, you know, coming back off that terrible loss to... Shevchenko was probably difficult enough. And then I thought she showed some real growth. I thought she showed tactical discipline and evidence for why she moved to Las Vegas being the right call for her career. So that was nice. And then Puna, Puna Hale, or how do I say this? Puna Hale Soriano defeating Oscar Pajota via KO. Dude, the left hand just kept landing and landing and landing and landing. If they're not blocking it, just keep throwing it. Fuck it. <laughs> who cares? Just keep throwing it. So, easy. 
All right. With that in mind, let's go to some of these. Uh, let's go to some of these activities. Ooh, Jesus! There's a bunch of these. All right. Got my vodka. What the fuck did I mix this with? Mountain Dew. Rock gut shit. Someone says, thanks for the late night content. I feel like tonight was Nunez's most impressive performance. Um, well, I would argue against somebody like Holm that was a little bit more impressive. But in terms of showing, like, how do you know it's hard to beat somebody? When they beat somebody when they're flashy and looking awesome? Yeah, of course. How about when they face adversity? Then how do they look? Yeah. She can dig deep and she's got a lot of different... A lot of different uh, fallback positions. Someone says, Luke, your, fo- your post-fight breakdowns really compete these big cards for me. Thanks for all you do. Well, I appreciate you watching. Someone says, take this donation for that Volkanovsky breakdown. You earned it. Also, do you think that rugby is a good transitory sport for MMA? Basic grappling and tackling used to get hit and cardio for running around. And you get the, uh, you get with, uh, with rugby, you get the cauliflower ears. I mean, look, yeah, sure, is there some transference between rugby and MMA? Yes, of course. But there's probably a lot of rugby players who would be shit MMA fighters. Um, Volkanovski is special for a lot of different reasons. He makes the best of having a rugby background, and those are elements that can make him great. But um, I don't think that as a, it's like, oh, how do we get better at fighting? Should we train rugby? Not necessarily. They said the judges had a 3-1 Usman, 3-1 Colby, and 2-2 going into the fifth. Yeah, I told you guys. Scores were going to be all over that place. And they were. Was it this or Izzy versus Fight of the Year? So I think he's talking about the main event. I'm still going to go Izzy. Still going to go Izzy. But that main event for 245 is close. Thanks for the post-fight show. Yeah, it's 3 a.m. And my kid's going to get up in four hours. So my life is stupid. Someone says, uh, in terms of the Colby, he dropped him being Usman back-to-back, fair stoppage. Yeah. Again, I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was amazing. Somewhere in between. Dre says, Usman broke his jaw and shut his mouth. I doubt he shut his mouth, but he certainly broke his jaw. Or it seems that way anyway. Uh, What do you think about the strikes to the back of the head of Covington received during the finish? Yeah, that always happens, man. These guys get to turtle, and then someone gets like with a heavy waist... And then they go for one wrist. And then as the person ducks their head, they get crushed with the hammer fists. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, you know. I don't know I don't know what the word is on that, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to leave this alone because I don't want to fuck this stream up. Um, I don't love it. It didn't seem to be the fight decider, so I guess we have to let it go. I, I don't know. I need to talk to a ref about that because it, 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 it bothers me too. With Covington losing, do you think... The next challenge will be Masvidal for Covington? No. I think logically it makes sense, but numbers will not be compared to what Covington would have been potentially before. No. Colby's an animal. They should run it back. But he got finished. That's the problem. Someone says, uh, are we all going to pretend Usman is going to be a draw post-Colby? Colby sold his show worse than Woodley. Not worse than Woodley, but he's not going to be a draw. What do you make of the, chow, the the crowd chanting Colby? This is what I said on my chat on Friday. 
dude, this whole thing about like where he was spraying the block and giving Star Wars spoilers and the whole bit, it's not what he's doing anymore. He is a, he wants to be the Donald Trump of MMA fighters, which means you're going to be very polarizing, which means a lot of people are probably not going to like you, but you are going to have a pretty strong base of support, and part of that base of support is going to be as a stated um, position, you know, strong degrees of patriotism and and sort of other things. And I think a lot of people kind of respond to that. So you're going to get a lot of that. You're going to get a lot of that. And you and you saw it. People were chanting his name, dude. This idea like, I'm the supervillain, I'm the most hated. Mm-mm. You are the most hated to a certain population. But this whole thing where he was like, everyone hated him before and only now part of him hated I mean, he like kind of abandoned the, I'm going to make everyone mad at me. I'm just going to lean fully into the whole Trump thing. And, uh, you know, there might be some real benefits to that, right? I mean, going on people's shows, like Candace Owens, she has a big audience, you know? Um, so I think he I think he decided there were some benefits to it, and I think he did. But then, and, and it has paid off to a degree, depending on what one's goals are. But this whole deal, like, I'm the biggest villain. He's the biggest villain to an audience that they like to antagonize, but not, like, in general. Going to the fifth round, more volume for Colby. Maybe I'd have to, again, I'll have to look at the stats. Congratulations on your growth. Thank you, Marcos. Appreciate it. Someone says, I guess Colby really meant it when he said he wouldn't let Danny put the belt around his waist. Funny. Who's next for Nunez with Vieira being KO'd tonight? I guess Aldana? Fuck, man. I don't know. Let's look at Bantamweight. Uh, Ketlin was... So, Durandamy is one. Ketlin is two. Holm is three. Ladd is four. Pena is five. Pennington is six. Kunitskaya is seven. I mean, they're really going to give her Aspen Lad? I don't know. I really don't know. Colby's next steps. He has a bad relationship with Dana. It's going to be very interesting to see who they match him up with and what kind of cards they put him on. Someone says, Jason Ireland has very nice things to say. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Someone says, Colby stock went down. Probably did. Ian says, loved your video on fighter insurance. More like that, please. Morning combat is absolutely excellent. You and BC and Chuck do a great job. Becoming a favorite show in the MMA space. Truly hope all is well. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Do you wish grapplers used their wrestling versus each other? I would have liked to have seen them, you know, try, but... They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Thought Rogan's commentary hit a new low tonight. Eh, I've sort of been out on most of the UFC commentators at this point. I like DC and I like uh, Cruz, and the rest I can just you know give or take. How did Usman's corner know about Colby's jaw? Someone must have told him. Meaning they weren't watching the broadcast or they overheard, but someone yeah. It wouldn't, be, wouldn't surprise me at all if someone was watching the broadcast and then texted them on the phone. How did Usman's corner know about it? Just suspicious, and Usman won via strikes to the back of the head. That's not why he won. Someone says, the snowflake tears are so sweet. Uh, Knicks have a better shot at winning the NBA title than Masvidal fighting Connor. He fights once a year, and everyone knows his next fight is if he wins. I'm just saying, if you're Masvidal, fighting Usman is not awesome for you.
Trey says, Colby's fans are straight up in denial. Stay triggered. <laughs> Another person says, Trump should jail Goddard for that stoppage. F Marty. Someone says, did your heart not break seeing Amanda adapt like a champ should, then Max all but dominated being the great champ he was and is? No. What do you think about the co-man, Luke? Trump 2020. It didn't break my heart. Dude, it's always the best man. Not always that, that happens, but I'm saying. My my attitude is, is yes, do I not like, do I be rather, do I like uh, Max Holloway? Who doesn't like Max Holloway? But the point is, dude, may the best man win. May the best man win. And if Volkanovski's the best man that night, then that's just what it is. And I let it rock like that. What are your Christmas and New Year's plans now that the big lull in MMA until 2020? I don't know. Get some rest. Not do this shit till 4 in the morning. I was wondering what you think will be the next from Mike Perry. He's one of my faves. Two, two in a row. There's a question about whether or not he came back too quickly at this point as well. I'd like to see him take a step back in competition. You know, he fought Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal. Time to dial it back a little bit. Uh, we'll just guy get on the Joe Rogan podcast. Dude, I can't stand it when people ask to go on his fucking show. Just please stop. Someone says Trump tards are triggered. Yeah, but who says Trump tards? Um, so it says keep up the good work. Thank you. Usman made America great again. Sure. Oh my God, someone left 200 fucking dollars. Luke, I just want to say how much I appreciate all your content. Highlight on my commute to my jobs. Listening to your knowledge and roasting of donks. Well, thank you, dude. I really appreciate that. Jesus Christ. Very nice of you. Sincerely, I mean that. Do you see any threats for Volkanovsky? At featherweight? No. Holloway, if he retools, yes. Outside of him? No. Max didn't switch stances due to leg kicks. He did switch stances. So it says showing some love. Thank you. Usman pound for pound number one? No. Colby got robbed. The earth is flat. Okay. Islam Makachev is the most underrated fighter in the UFC, and if not, who is? He's up there. Someone was asking about Matt Brown's foot sweeps and how good they were. They're good. Makachev's are very good. Someone says, Travis ain't no West Coast gangster. Don't know what that means. Rogan says, scrap the judging system and start from scratch. More judges, different point system. Realistically, how does that change happen? said it before what does the nba and major league baseball do to affect change they have the g league in the nba and they have minor league baseball and various different other kinds of um uh, different forms of minor league baseball and they implement rule changes there and see how they go and then if they like them they bring them up like any other prospect but the ufc doesn't do that so there's no way to know what would be better do you see korean zombie getting a title shot in the near future if he beats edgar it's possible it's possible because you can sell that fight, right? So there you go. All right, it's late as balls, and I'm tired as balls, and it's fucking 3 in the morning, and I have to get up in four hours. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. If you stuck it out, there's 7,300 people watching right now. God bless every last one of you if you guys stuck it out like this. Y'all are some Gs. I'll get this up on podcast. I'm actually recording it right to my computer so I can pull it up if I have to. Um, thank you guys so much. 245, incredible. I might go live for uh, next weekend. We'll see how that goes. But uh, if not, I just want to say, if, if this is, in fact, my last live um, post-fight show of the year, I really appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. And it's a lot of extra work for me, but it's all really, really rewarding. You're the best. 
I love this YouTube channel. I love what we have going here. I hope to get it better and keep it going and make and do more interesting things in 2020. I feel like we took a big step up in 2019, you know? And um, let's keep fucking rocking, man. Let's keep this going. You guys keep supporting me, and I'll keep the, I'll, I will I will keep this flame lit. Okay, so um, get some sleep, enjoy your night. Thank you so much for joining me. I can't say how much I appreciate this. And until next time, get some sleep.